0: We did push that. You know these people. Oh I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, What ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man, watch it. According to USA Today, a federal lawsuit filed against Burger King claims the fast food company misled customers by portraying its food in advertisements as much larger than what customers are served in real life. Anthony Russo, the South Florida lawyer bringing a class action lawsuit against Burger King, claims the company's signature Whopper was advertised as being 35% larger than the actual burger being served to customers. Says Russo, quote, You've got to have some kind of a stopgap measure to stop companies from just putting out there whatever it is they want. Untruths, lack of being honest, and lack of candor." A similar lawsuit was filed in 2013 against Subway, claiming the company's advertised foot-long sandwiches were not actually 12 inches. USAToday.com. Poor Burger King caught in a lie over their Whopper. Isn't it ironic that one of the definitions of the word Whopper, according to Merriam Webster's online dictionary, is an extravagant or monstrous lie. Speaking of extravagant and monstrous lies, you're listening to Alternate Current Radio. I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. Howdy, folks. In addition to the word whopper being commonly accepted as a slang term for an exaggerated story or a complete lie, according to the Urban Dictionary, whopper also can mean, quote, a person who makes an absolute fool of themselves without being aware that others are laughing at them, end quote. Now, what, if anything, that has to do with the following story? I shall leave it up to the listener's interpretation. As reported by Andrew Stiles, senior writer at the Washington Free Beacon, on April 5th, 2022, promotional material for the CNN Plus documentary, Chicago vs. Jussie Smollett, suggests the disgraced actor's name, quote, has become synonymous with a hoax that underscored the larger cacophony of racism, homophobia, and political fissures in America, end quote. A fake crime with real victims. A lie that told the truth. Blah, blah, blah. Comprised of interviews with key players and some never before seen footage from the night of the phony hate crime in January 2019, the documentary insists on framing a celebrity's act of deranged narcissism within the context of the broader movement for quote-unquote criminal justice reform and the public backlash against police misconduct in Chicago and the country at large. First, we see footage of the 2014 police shooting of a 17-year-old Laquan McDonald. Minutes later, we see Jussie Smollett explaining that he kept a fake noose around his neck until police arrived at his luxury high-rise because, quote, I just wanted y'all to see it, end quote. It's all connected, you see. The film opens with producers asking Jussie's brothers, Jojo and Joaquin Smollett, if they think Jussie was, quote, punished in some ways for what looked like defiance. As a matter of fact, they do. JoJo suggests he was targeted because of his activism against injustice and for exercising his right to criticize power. They are the only people who appear in the documentary to insist that Jussie is a quote-unquote innocent person, although it's not entirely clear they actually believe it. I think we've realized that the only way through this is to be unapologetic and to be bold and to not worry about playing the cards right and worrying about the The consequences Says Jokui As if explaining The family's decision To keep denying The obvious The documentary Revisits the frantic First days After the fake Hate crime The outpouring Of support From celebrities And politicians President Donald Trump Condemning the horrible Attack Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson Vowing to track Down the perpetrators Determined not To squander His efforts To rebuild Trust in the Black community Then we get to See it all unravel And at Precisely the moment that Smollett sits down for his tearful interview with ABC's Robin Roberts, playing the angry and pissed off victim, his cardigan adorned with gay pride and Black Lives Matter pins. Quote, I want a little gay boy who might watch this to see that I fought the F back, he told Roberts. Meanwhile, police footage shows Smollett's co conspirators, Ola Binjo and Abimbola Osundara, being arrested upon returning from Nigeria and interrogated by Chicago police. We see them confess to their role in the hoax, in part as a result of Smollett's interview, as police track down surveillance footage of the brothers purchasing the noose and other props at a hardware store. Public sympathy evaporates as comedians go to town on Smollett for paying the Osundaro brothers with a check. Even shameless partisans like Stephen Colbert got in on the action. As far as Jussie Smollett is concerned, the moral of the story seems relatively straightforward. Don't Met fake hate crimes against yourself. The documentary insists on making it more complicated, an opportunity to have a national conversation about criminal justice reform and the meaning of justice. Because even though the crime part was fake, the hate part was real. And even if he did commit a phony hate crime, he doesn't deserve to be punished. Quote, Well, I'm mad at Jussie, but again, what he represents is real, says Zach Stafford, former editor-in-chief of The Advocate. Why am I having to choose a side in this when everyone feels guilty in some way, end quote. Shockingly enough, no one comes across as more unrepentantly guilty than Smollett, who defiantly told reporters, quote, I would not be my mother's son if I was capable of one drop of what I have been accused of, and insisted he would never, quote, bring my family, our lives, or the movement through a fire like this, end quote. Yet, here we are. Even Kim Fox, the Cook County State's attorney who initially dropped the charges against Smollett after texting with Michelle Obama's former chief of staff seems to acknowledge that he is not an innocent victim, that people are angry at him for not apologizing for what he did and for the way he quote-unquote thumbed his nose at this city. Nevertheless, she portrays her controversial decision to drop the charges without first notifying police as an example of quote-unquote justice reform, meeting resistance from the powers that be. It's easy to imagine an alternate universe in which Smollett is neither a convicted felon nor the laughing stock of the entertainment industry. In this universe, Smollett's stock is at an all-time high. He has just won several Grammy Awards. Hollywood is still buzzing about his electrifying performance at former President Barack Obama's super-spreader birthday bash on Martha's Vineyard. All he had to do was eat his Subway sandwich and carry on with his life. In our actual universe, Obama was forced to settle for has-beens such as John Legend and Erica Badu. Despite getting caught his career in ruins, Smullett still claims to be a real-life victim of the fake hate crime he committed against himself. With a clenched fist, raised in defiance after being sentenced in March to 150 days in county jail, he shouted, quote, I could have said that I was guilty a long time ago, end quote. Indeed, he could have. Freebeacon.com You know, folks, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that technically Jussie Smollett got in trouble over a whopper involving a subway. Sorry, I couldn't resist. But all kidding aside, personally, since I choose to live my life under a set of guidelines that involve morals and ethics, I'm not a big fan of lying. Maybe that's why I'm not such a big fan of politics, the mainstream media, or war, for that matter. Now, obviously, doing what I do here on the Daily Ruckus, I have to deal with the mainstream media all the time. And right now it's not necessarily politics season, so things seem to be kind of calm in that department. However, unless you live under a rock, obviously we've got some sort of war going on over there in Ukraine and I'm not trying to make light of any of that quite the opposite I'm actually trying to make some sort of heads or tails out of it which is next to impossible since all wars are full of lies which is exactly how James G Rickards puts it writing for the daily reckoning on March 28th 2022 in an opinion titled I've never heard so many lies Rickards writes Winston Churchill famously said, quote, In wartime, truth is so precious that she should always be attended by a bodyguard of lies, end quote. We accept that idea broadly. Secret invasion plans should be closely held. The identities of spies must be kept under wraps. New weapons and defense tools should not be revealed because enemies will be alerted to their potential and begin offensive workarounds. Still, just because the government has legitimate reasons to deceive the public in wartime does not mean that citizens don't have a duty to find the truth to the extent they can. The Russian-Ukraine kinetic war and the broader US-Russian economic war are full of more lies than any public events I've seen in my lifetime, including Vietnam, Watergate, and the Iraq war. That's how big the lies are. Here's the official US narrative as echoed by the mainstream media. Russia's invasion of Ukraine was unprovoked. Putin's three day blitzkrieg of Kyiv has failed. Russian forces are bogged down and valiant Ukrainian troops are putting up a powerful defense and regaining lost ground with the help of weapons from NATO. In this version, President Zelensky is the new Churchill, rallying patriots against an evil dictator. All of that is either entirely or mostly false. Here's the real story. Russia's invasion is the end result of 14 years of provocation by the West, including repeated Declarations that Ukraine will join NATO and a US backed coup d'etat in 2014 that displaced a pro Russian president. Russia never planned a blitzkrieg on Kyiv. That's a Western invention intended to make Putin look like a failure. In fact, Russia is slowly and methodically taking territory in the south and east of Ukraine in order to control the seacoasts, eliminate pro-fascist elements in Maripol, and establish pro-Russian autonomous zones in Donbass. A full assault on Kyiv, if it ever comes, is last on the list. Ukraine may reoccupy a village here and there, but they're losing ground in Kherson, Mikolev, Melitopol, Maripol, Kharkiv, Luhansk, Donetsk, and surrounding areas. Moreover, Zelensky is no Churchill. He's succeeded in presenting himself as a strong wartime leader, standing up to the big bad Putin. But in reality, he's a corrupt oligarch with millions of dollars hidden offshore. His acting skills have enhanced his propaganda efforts, but it doesn't take much training to see how phony he is. Innocent civilians, including women and children, are dying under his failed leadership and inability to come to terms with Putin before the invasion began. In a nutshell, Zelensky bet on support from Biden and the West and lost. There is ample evidence from numerous sources to support this analysis. Some of the best sources come from Switzerland, where military experts are infuriated that traditional Swiss neutrality has been cast aside. Most tellingly, Pentagon leaks say the same thing. The story from inside the Pentagon is that Putin is not acting recklessly, but is being patient and methodical. It also says that despite some civilian casualties, Putin is actually using a restrained approach. Furthermore, there are no signs he is preparing for the use of chemical or biological weapons. So, what about the economic sanctions? Are they working? Payments in and out of Russia have been blocked. The Central Bank of Russia has been banned from the global dollar payments system. The same is true for the ten largest Russian banks and a long list of oligarchs and Russian government officials. Accounts of Russian targets in Western banks have been frozen. Exports of critical technology and high tech equipment to Russia have been banned, US and European airspace has been closed to Russian airlines, secondary sanctions have been imposed so that if another nation, like China, sells goods to Russia made with US technology or machines, that nation will be punished also. The list goes on. Economic sanctions of these kinds sound powerful when they're announced and do have some impact, but in the long run, they never work. In the end, the costs are real, but the effects of the sanctions are nil. It's a lose-lose Proposition. Some losses are incurred by those whose accounts are frozen or whose businesses are handicapped. A few Russian oligarchs may lose their yachts, but guess what? Putin doesn't like the oligarchs anyway. We're actually doing Putin a favor by clipping the oligarchs' wings. Putin's power comes from the military and security services, not the oligarchs. Tellingly, the strategic goals that justified the sanctions are never achieved. At most, they are slowed down temporarily. It's just a matter of time before the affected parties devise workarounds to the sanctions. The bottom line is Russia has not stood still. Russian exports of critical strategic metals such as nickel, titanium, palladium and aluminum have been cut off. Russian and Ukrainian, wheat and other grains have also been cut off. This will result in starvation in certain parts of the world and massive food price inflation everywhere. Given the extent of these sanctions and the retaliation the damage to world trade supply chains, and even the availability of goods will be massive. But what about the strategic aims of the sanctions? Here, the sanctions are a complete failure. They have had zero impact on Russian advances on the battlefield and Russian goals in Ukraine. In fact, Putin has proved to be a master chess player as he runs rings around the sanctions. When the US imposed sanctions on Russian banks, the value of the ruble collapsed. Still, oil and natural gas exports from Russia were allowed because Europe is dependent on them and the world is facing an energy shortage independent of the war in Ukraine. Oil and natural gas are paid for in dollars. In a masterpiece of judo, Putin is now demanding that Russian oil and natural gas bought by states imposing sanctions be paid for in rubles. This mystified many. If Russia needs dollars, they do. Why be paid in rubles? The answer is that the only way for Europe to get rubles quickly is to buy them from the Central Bank of Russia using dollars. Under Putin's plan, Russia still gets the dollars, still sells oil and natural gas, but he has the added benefit of making rubles stronger because Europe has to buy them to pay for the energy exports. Cutting off Russian exports of oil and natural gas is pointless because Russia will just sell the same energy to China and India, but the price will go up. It's a world market, after all. This is how judo works. You use your enemy's power against him by avoiding the main attack and churning the tables. Putin is a judo expert in real life, and he just demonstrated that he can practice it in economic warfare. The West will now be engaged in propping up the ruble after they did so much to destroy it. Putin thinks many moves ahead on the chessboard, while Biden is playing pin the tail on the donkey, blindfolded. Sanctions ultimately harm everyday citizens and consumers most. Inflation is surging in Russia and the United States because of the sanctions. But the pain on the American people has only begun. It's about to get much worse U.S. consumers and investors will suffer as prices soar, growth lags, and stocks collapse. This is all unpleasant news for Western warmongers, but it's critical for investors to know what's actually going on so they don't lose money in the chaos to come. The best information is that the war in Ukraine will last longer than most expect, will produce supply chain disruptions, and will amplify the inflation that's already present. In the end, Putin will prevail in Ukraine, while the Ukrainian people and Western consumers will pay the heaviest price. DailyReckoning.com Now, while I agree with most of the things in that article, I'm going to have to disagree with the last part. Because in my opinion, based on my own personal belief system, I believe it is a different set of people who will be paying the heaviest price. To quote the Bible, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, say, Seven are an abomination unto him a proud look a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations feet that be swift in running to mischief a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among brethren and that dear folks is just one of the reasons that I personally am not a big fan of lying another good reason is as Mark Twain is often quoted as saying if you tell the truth You don't have to remember anything. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been The Daily Ruckus for Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.